All right, welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Shaheen Boydash. He is an eight-time founder. He's going to talk to us all about his journey as an entrepreneur, going from Silicon Valley to Austin, all the mergers, acquisitions. We're going to pick his brain on hiring. Maybe we'll leave firing for another time, but we're going to talk mostly about hiring and using the all the platforms that are out there, including his most recent uh, company, Gusto, that now is in partnership with his other founders. So, Shaheen, welcome to the podcast. Alex, thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. So I want to get right into it. Tell us your background. You were telling me you, you your first company you founded when you were 15. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, in in high school and middle school time. I had small companies, but not a real LLC. Uh, I was born in US, but moved back to Turkey when I was six years old. And I had four companies in Turkey, uh, mostly e-commerce, mostly the first version of e-commerce, like a first okay. company who sell the mobile phones online, luxury goods, like clothing, a lot of stuff. And then I moved to Silicon Valley 10 years ago, 10, 10 and a half. And I had four companies in Silicon Valley and I was very lucky. I always had remote teams. Uh, most of my teams, like all of my companies was fully remote and fully contractors. Mm -hmm. And in my last company, because I had a experience on building remote teams, one day I was in Stanford Startex Accelerator. Mm -hmm. And everyone was asking, okay, I want to hire someone in France. I want to hire someone in Japan. I want to hire someone in Spain. I want to have these are contractor or as employees, like what should I do? And I bought the domain name remoteteam.com some time ago. And I said, oh my God, the time arrived. So let me build the gusto for remote teams. Mm -hmm. And we end up building remoteteam.com to help companies to pay international uh, contractors do the documents and all the other stuff and then during the journey we met with gusto start as a partnership and then it turned into an MA. now i am full-time in gusto as a product leader and uh, working on the initiatives about how to make gusto better for mm -hmm. international teams and remote teams Absolutely. And I definitely want to get to Gusto and what you guys are doing, but I'm more interested in all that, the space between you going from, you know, Turkey back to the US. Talk to us about that. I mean, because I always find it fascinating talking to entrepreneurs who have worked internationally and here in the US. What are the big differences for you? Because, you know, a lot of people want to come to the US and do business here, but what for you, like, tell us the big difference between doing business in Turkey versus the US. Yeah, and this is this is very, very simple. Like, of course, there is exceptions that you can make a unicorn in Turkey as well, but there's only okay. four unicorns, okay? There's not an ecosystem of you come here as zero person. Mm -hmm. When I come here, I have like $5,000 <laughs> in my pocket and I only know one person. It's crazy. And what you can do as a zero to one, one to 10 million, 10 to 100 million, 100 to 1 billion, in US, we have ecosystems, mm -hmm. group of networks, group millions of how many podcasts we have with all mm -hmm. the courses in every category, with the experts in every category, but not just one, like many experts. Mm -hmm. So that acceleration and the opportunity of being a really a self-taught mediocrity, we call it, 
is I believe only exists in the United States. I don't believe it exists in That's Europe that, that much. And the reality is there too. Mm-hmm. Like most companies in Europe and other countries mm-hmm. are still conglomerates. Like there's one company doing 50 different things. They own every market, pure monopoly. Here, you can build a company like Uber and build something amazing. You can build mm-hmm. a company like Gasto, change the payroll, but the, the you cannot do that in other countries that easy, like adaption, the market, the VC support, the talent support, the taught experts that you can reach. And I think this is very powerful. I think we have a culture of helping each other mm-hmm. that doesn't even exist. And even in super religious countries or other countries that you have to help, like we really help people. Like you help hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? Like it's really that helping it is. each other. This it is, is interesting. It is interesting. I, I will absolutely second that because when I visit family in Brazil or we talk yeah. on WhatsApp, they say, wait a minute. So you have these businesses and you have the podcast, but do you get paid for the podcast? And I try to explain that you 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 grow, but you help people and it comes back. Yeah. That concept to them is a little bit like, I, I don't understand why you're going to give up five hours a week to create <laughs> a project that has a much like higher purpose. It's exactly. like the nonprofit world, Shaheen. I've been yes. in the nonprofit world for two decades here in the US, and it always blows my mind the number of people, leaders, CEOs who are willing to give back, sit on the board, donate, volunteer. Is you, d- you, you don't even see that at like 1% the size it's, overseas. So I, overseas. I 100% agree with you on that. Yeah. And it's like, I come from, I, I lived in Turkey for many years and it's even in the religion, it's a must. Right. It's like give away 2.5%, but only a small majority. <laughs> but in, in US, it's not a must, but people still donate to so many things because it's, 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 it's in our culture. You get so much help. Yeah. And it's very asymmetric. Like I was nobody and getting help from, like I was thinking like, why this person is helping me? You know, it's, it's on that sort of doesn't exist. And also really building teams fast enough, like able yeah. to hire contractors, able to, to scale. I think that is not very easy in other countries, to be honest. Like yeah. in Turkey, we don't have gusto for Turkey. Example. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting that in overseas, you know, I work all over the globe as well. And it's there, there are still many countries where things are done, even with the technologies that exist, communications and whatnot. Um, but still, the way that they go about doing business is very, very old school, yeah. um, which I, I do appreciate it to a certain extent, but it limits the way you can advance businesses in the same way that we do here. I think what you're talking about is so important for the entrepreneurs that are here in the U.S. listening, because we can all get into our own heads and and have a certain mindset when things are going getting tough. You said, hey, look, you got here to the U.S. You had one relationship, $5,000. It was as challenging for you as it is for any other entrepreneur. So talk to us about that. I mean, starting with very little uh, capital and uh, with no relationships. How did you network and how did you either raise money or just get the company to sell, sell, sell so that you could turn a profit? Like, talk to us about yeah, those yeah, things. Yeah. yeah. So so I was a coder. Like, so I can code and I can build things by myself as well. So I I understand how the products work very deeply Okay. from the technical perspective. So that is a huge advantage. Mm. And then the other advantage I had was what I find is so funny. I have crazy passion, but it's because of the culture. By default, we are very passionate people. And I'm an information junkie that 
I follow like 80 sources of information, around five to 500 to 1,000 article titles every day for 20 years. So yeah. that gave me a very cool way to figure out niches. And when I first moved here, I said, I want to, I always love to watch movie trailers one my, and I want to build a social network around movies for upcoming movies and help mm -hmm. movie studios to solve their marketing problems. Okay. And this is another story. I want to connect to Gusto and I was running payroll and I was, I'm not going to run payroll and I find Gusto and many other tools in my life to able to do that. I said, oh, we can build this. It's not that difficult. The tool set is there. Then um, I get a suggestion from Founder Institute. I went to six accelerators. Mm -hmm. I suggest many entrepreneurs who want to be a tech in tech area, accelerators really yeah, help. I but agree. In other businesses, that accelerator culture doesn't exist. Like this is an opportunity for you. So it's like, it's like a more course driven, but not an accelerator driven. So I went to an accelerator, Adio Resi Founder Institute. He told me, Shine, you want to build something about Hollywood? Is movie studios. Uh, you don't speak English very well. I don't <laughs> understand you said. Uh, you never been to LA in your life. You need to find a co-founder. I said, okay, let's find a co-founder. <laughs> then I, he told me, write the perfect co-founder in my life. Uh, and then I write the perfect co-founder and send it to all founder institute. And I had a French person. He said, I know a person. Mm -hmm. Like um, this fate plan is very weird. The list was crazy. I said, like a female co-founder. Uh, mm -hmm. Because that was trendy at that time. Uh, Yale, uh, like Ivy College, from LA, uh, marketing in the background. All this stuff. <laughs> and I find the person. It's pretty. Really, I and I was a co-founder with her seven years in my life. Wow. Um, yeah. And then we raised. We I think reach out to five hundred investors. Mm -hmm. So we got around. We only got 33 yes, so minus that. So we probably get 467 no's. <laughs> well, so so yeah, let me stop right there because I think what you're talking about here is so important. We get this question all the time in our forums, platforms, and and the questions is about how to raise money, Shaheen. Yeah. And you're 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 underscoring how challenging and how committed. So how challenging it is, but how committed and dedicated you have to be. I mean, you know, most people I talk to will tell me, I, I've talked to 20, 30 investors and a few banks, community banks, credit unions, seed, but you said, 20, 30, what are you talking about? And and here you are telling me that you you guys went out to 500 plus. 500. <laughs> so, so, so talk to me about that. I mean, was it, what, what's that process like? Did, did you guys set that number or did you just said, look, the, the, the outcome is the important part. So if we have to sign up for 5,000, we're going to keep doing it until we raise the money. Yeah. Was that the thinking, the, the destination yeah. rather than a limit? Yes, yes, yes. The destination was like a little bit, I am not like when I first come here, like I am like most companies that I want to raise million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. I get that too. And then I, I, I invested in 50 companies. So I said, okay, I raised $3 million. Like if you ask me at that time, how are you going to really use this fund like, do I know the details in every <laughs> I'll know. It's just a ratio. Yeah. Okay, like, oh, I'm going to spend 300000 to marketing, 400000 to the team, $50,000, and you write yourself like mm -hmm. a minimum wage salary, right? So we didn't have a number in mind. But we mm -hmm. go there and say, because it was a cool thing to do, naive, mm -hmm. because we were just starting, we said, we're going to raise $3 million, all right? And, but the thing is, 
I always look at the life is we always look at successes, but there's always more failure in the beginning than successes, right? You actually, in life, everyone thinks like a perfect life, but no, like you have so many mistakes you do, even mm. it seems like a right thing, but it's a probable mistake for the future. And if we do more positive things than the negative things, we go forward, right? So in that fundraising is we, okay, going to these investors, but we are not not like we are not going and doing the same pitch like we record ourselves we put it in we put it our verse recording in the tv in the hallway in we work that everyone sees us they're like oh my god we are horrible and then we like change our pitch we learn about the investor we look at how people invest how people trust how to told your opportunity is a big opportunity like there is an insane learning process but the problem in some areas, these are, there's a lot of non-written rules about this. So even you go and read everything about it, you still don't get it. So this system of raising angel money is really known by the founders. So, okay, then I told my co-founder, go meet with a founder every day. And then, okay, if you want to build a network, you need to be likable. Like she's very likable, more likable than me for sure. And she got a lot of network and we learn, okay, how you are raising it. They tell you things. And then we go, we go, we go. And we break the, uh, we break the ice, I will say, by raising our money first check from Mark Benerov, the billionaire, Salesforce. Wow. So he was our first check to Movilala because this is also weird, a lot of faith plan coming together, but he knows this problem. Because his best friend is Jay Rusolo from Disney. He was mm -hmm. the CFO of Disney. Then he become our investor too. So by luck or chance favors the prepared mind, he, Jay Rusolo and Mark talk at the same day when my co-founder Dana pitched to Mark. Mm -hmm. And Mark said, oh my God, this is a huge problem. Moving Movie studio needs to market very efficiently. Of course, we have a cool pitch there. And then we got our first check. At that time, we were already talking with 10, 20 investors that always say, ah, I am not sure. Then we had Mark Benerov. We had like 10 more investors coming in. Let's, investors are like, mm -hmm. like follow each other, right? And then, okay, we learn, okay, it's about decreasing the risk and having some cool names. We got some few more cool names and we end up having 33 investors at the end of it. Wow. Uh, that's yeah. incredible. That's incredible. Well, so talk to me about, you know, our, our listeners, we we get into these philosophical conversations about, you know, you, you mentioned the, the, the term prepared mind. So prepared mind, you know, so there's sort of this uh, intersection of luck, science and art in just about everything we do in life, especially in business. So for you, you know, you said fate quite a few times as well. And I like that fate, you know, destiny. I, I tie that into more luck than than a lot of things, but but it's opening the opportunities. You know, the doors are there, the opportunities are there. You got to go forward. So it sounds to me like, you know, whether we call it fate, whether we call it luck or prepared mind, it sounds like you guys were willing to do everything to attract and put yourself in the right place at the right time, and 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 that is something that we can all do. So we have control over that. So talk to us about that. Was that, you know. Do you see for the founders that come to you, Shaheen, today and say, oh, man, I, I did my startup two, three years into it. It's a failure. I'm shutting down, moving on. What do you attribute most of the failures to? Yeah. So we have a saying in Sufism that you, we bind your fate 
to your working heart kind of your intentions right your struggles okay your faith is bind to that so the more you do that you attract that faith plan so it is i always trying to look at the middle i never mm. try to look at the edges like i don't care mark zuckerberg is successful in 21 years i'm not okay it's very simple right? <laughs> i look at myself like an average person but like more like a warren buffett long term mm. like okay i'm an average person but in the long term i will do way better than build a great business, right? Remote team was my eighth company that was okay. sort of an eighth company, right? And then probably I tried 20 more things <laughs> in that meanwhile, right? <laughs> then it become that. So it is absurd to me that people believe that they're going to be successful in the first time. So okay. if you are successful in the first time, you are absolutely so, did everything so right? It's probably chance. This is like a team sport on top of it, like saying that I'm going to go to Super League and I'm going to win the first game. <laughs> it doesn't right. Exist, right. So it's a business is a journey. And what you start as an idea and what you build at the end of it is also very different. Like if you look any companies like that. Right. So I think they have to look like, OK, I want to build a value for the customers. And I really love that for Gusto and all of my company. Like you put not yourself first, you put the others first and you want to build something, you go to that mindset. And if you build a service for others that others are willing to pay, okay, you did the first check. And then, okay, can you build it in a way that it can scale with minimum marketing dollars or yeah. you need marketing dollars? Then what is the growth? What is the other things? So what I see most entrepreneurs who fail I don't think they have the right, correct mindset of right questions and what to do in the first time. Like, okay, if you are starting a business, you start with 10 people, make money there. And then you mm -hmm. grow 100, you grow 1,000. Then you learn, okay, I can really pitch something that I can reach to a million customer. Then it's a different ballgame, right? They mm -hmm. don't look at it as a, like a multi-stage system that they have to do the first stage, second stage, third stage. They have to fail in most of them. Or they, mm -hmm. like I remember, remote team was bankrupting two times. Movie Lala was bankrupting four times. Like I didn't have a money to pay the rent, mm -hmm. but somehow this is magic. Uh, one investor emailed us, messaged us from LinkedIn and said, I want to give you guys $10,000. I said, oh my God, it's like five days to the the rent or something and now we got the money this is very interesting too uh, we had the exit in movie Lala. we sold it to giphy cat and we were trying to reach him back we couldn't reach him like it's that money will go to government like we couldn't pay the exit money to him that wow. guy sort of doesn't exist i even go to the like dark web try to get find his address check the names i find like 40 names with the same name and surname i reach all of them and didn't get it so is it a fate? If we didn't get it, I will fail? Mm -hmm. Probably, right? Or maybe we will not pay the rent, we'll get another money. But there's a lot of things that we can control and we cannot control. People are always who are failing in my head are, and I must, I, me too, are looking on the things that they cannot change. I 100% agree with you. My mind is just, I mean, I love this conversation, Shaheen, because <laughs> You know, you're speaking from experience and we we really do appreciate the, the that level of transparency. And I just think you this is something I tell a lot of a lot of the the people that we mentor 
we mentor a lot of people for free in the beginning yeah. and then they pay and whatnot. But in the beginning we mentor and I say, look, you, you know, you got to learn to be humble. You got to learn to be vulnerable. And I think this is a great example of you, not, not because now you've made it eight times. You don't want to remember the mistakes and the struggles. You mentioned struggle earlier and aligning that to fate. I love that because I do believe that, 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 that grinding every day and struggling definitely is sort of part of the recipe. And then your analogy is spot on with, with the sports teams, you know, thinking about seasons, you think whether it's football or basketball, whatever the sport is, there are teams that go 20 years, right? Not winning that many games. And then they get the right, right people in the right seats and that sort of a thing. So I love the analogy there, but more than anything, I think like what you said, you know, you just really have to do the, the work. You have to struggle and not let those mistakes that we're all going to make and continuously make, because I, here's what I know for sure. I tell the, a, a, any first stage entrepreneur, I'm in my like sixth company and I, this is 20 years later. And I know for sure, 20 years from now, I'll still be making mistakes, but, but it's being prepared for those mistakes and knowing what am I going to, what's going to happen when that mistake, you know, hits me in the face, what do I do? It's the reaction, right? So talk to us about that. What can entrepreneurs do? And I'm giving you a hint here, get a, get a mentor maybe, you know, uh, or, or maybe go take a course or, or, or go to a conference and speak. Like, what are the things that you tell first stage entrepreneurs? Like, look, here's how you can learn how to avoid or react faster to those big mistakes. Yeah, there's a lot, but there's some core things here. I think mm-hmm. the first core of when you are doing a business, it's it's really a totally different path than anything in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's you need to be an amazing self-taught person, an amazing self-taught person. Like this is the absolute number one, because this is the same with nearly every founder. I, I like to build products, but when I start, I'm really working on the startup, like 95% of my time is going to product. No, (laughs) you got accounting. So so you get a lawsuit and you deal with that or you get raising money. You're doing accounting. You do like technical, like the system crashes, Mm -hmm. like all this stuff, right? You like what you really wanted in your passion. Nobody's doing that, Mm -hmm. right? As, As a pro, okay, I really want to do that, right? Because, and there's a lot of things, but you can, of course, build the second part I will tell. I think you really need to be amazing, likable, genuine, that also know your topics really well mm-hmm. and work with a person in another area that you need mm-hmm. as a function and work with them and ability to convince them to join your journey. These like being, and you, if you are a self-taught, you can solve that problem too. You can just learn, okay, how to convince people how mm-hmm. to do charisma and comments, how mm-hmm. to like get your first five employees, how you can, like in Gastel, we see that a lot of companies are hiring contractors, right? How mm-hmm. to hire contractors. So, and what I do is also the third one is like consume the average information so fast that you become average on that topic. So people, that helps you to select a good person. Let's say you need to do your open e-commerce website. You need to do Instagram marketing, right? Just go read 2025 Instagram things. So at least you can select a good course, like your courses of marketing and Mm -hmm. figure out which course is the best one and which people you can work the best for your business. 
Mm. You don't need to understand the dynamic, but you need to understand what is needed for your business, right? And That's then right. You go. So these three things, like being an extremely self-taught person, really, really uh, likable, learning the average, and you need to build a team. Like that is that is absolutely the core. Like you well, need to really need to build a team. And I see a lot of people even making good money and they don't have a work-life balance because they are doing some so small tasks mm -hmm. that they spend three, four hours a day, but they can hire someone, but they don't have that mindset to hire. They still go that Excel sheet or that thing and spend four hours on it, right? Uh, so you need to be in, in, in Sequoia Capital in Silicon Valley, Don Wellington, the founder is saying that when mm -hmm. they invest in a company, they teach them how to, in a nice word, like outsource, like do the things that you need mm -hmm. to find and find that groups of people or companies to help you to do that because you need to bring a lot of people inside, right? And also, okay, selecting an idea, selecting the right business, the scaling, it's, it's totally a different journey after that. Well, and it sounds to me like there's a theme here that that you you weave for us through our conversation, which is um, being knowledgeable. Um, you, you you talked about being an information junkie. I get it because I, I I love information of all kinds. I can't get enough. And and so I think that in our community we have that. We have a lot of people who are constantly they join the webinars, they listen to the podcast, they take the courses. You know, I I, I got told last year I did one course. That was six hours on lead generation. Okay, Shaheen. And by most of the people in the industry who do courses, say, oh my God, you can't do a course for more than an hour. Nobody does a course for an hour. I said, listen, I'm telling you, in our community, you have people who are really like, they, they really want quality, long form content. And every week I see people who start the course and they're done in two, three days. Right. And so, but I don't have control if I put that course on Udemy. I put that same course on Udemy. Most of the people take like three, four months to do the same course, right? Yeah. So it, it's just, and I'm just more pivoting our conversation here to people and target audience of both kinds. You just talked about the people in the team, but earlier you also talked about with Gusto, how you guys obsess about the customer. So talk to us about that, the importance of that. So you've got your team, you're, you're, you're getting your information, you're learning how to influence people and, and sell. Now you're you're out there. You're actually selling your product. What are the things that you can do to? It's not just build a brand. We hear so much about brand and storytelling. That's nice. I like that. But like, what do you what do you do? What's your advice for people to keep customers for the long haul? Yeah, yeah. So um, this is when you look at in in Silicon Valley, like Gusto as a culture that everyone likes and knows. By the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was one of my biggest reason to join Gusto as well. In the mm -hmm. in the, I, I was planning to build a billion dollar business. Like that was no like exit was not even in my mind. So, but when I we started talking with Gusto, man, it's an amazing culture. And I think what Gusto has some values, and some of the value is like user first, like our customers first. Like Jeff mm -hmm. Bozos says that all the time. Like there's a video I saw that he used. Dedic not the dedication for customer is a saying that obsession about customer like mm -hmm. like customer obsession customer obsession so in gusto we really do that and then we said eradicate the pain 
like, okay, like when people are running payroll, when people are doing tax registrations, when people are doing benefits, right? These are all painful things. And I remember I went through this 10 years ago in my first company. I will not drop the name, but I was using a different payroll. I tell my co-founder, we are not paying anyone. I'm mm -hmm. not doing this stuff. I'm not going to go to that comp site and do the payroll. Like, there's no way. Like, I'm not even learning it. I was like, this is so complicated. <laughs> then I saw Gustav and i like, wow, it's beautiful and easy. Like, I think in every business, the businesses, if the founders are the users, I think it's a huge must. And if mm -hmm. it's not, that's fine as well. Like, you need to put the customer first. You need to think like a customer, act like a customer, and build it for the customer. And in Gustav, we do that really well. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I love that. And you, you know, just using your your phrase from earlier, you know, the prepared mind. I think a great customer experience, great customer service is 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 something that you do intentionally. Shaheen, we talk about the the Disney experience uh, often here because I've done so many of the Disney customer service uh, yeah. courses over the last twenty years. I've done like a dozen, no yeah. joke, yeah. and. And so I use it. And it's funny because I was there with my kids about a month ago, back in December, and it never fails. A company that serves millions of people every day, like in a park where there's moving parks, there's, you know, 20, 30,000 employees. It's your kids there. It's your it, kids yeah, there. <laughs> but, but, but imagine how many things can go wrong. This is what I tell people. I'm not, an, I'm not obsessed with Disney by any means, yeah, but yeah, I do yeah. like the way they do their business because of this. The, the journey from the minute you book your ticket to get to the parking, yada, yada. Okay. So there's like a million touch points in the customer journey until you walk back out of the park and maybe come back or don't the next day. So there's so many opportunities for failure, but they have planned every single point in that journey to the point where one of my kids, we, we got uh, ice cream and it's almost like the classic from the movie. He's eating it and blah, it fell. Okay. <laughs> so it falls because the guy did like a big one. And I said, oh man. So I tapped the, the the clerk and I said, can I get some paper? I'll I'll wipe it up. She says, no, no, not at all. So we're about to walk away because half the ice cream is gone. And as we're walking away, she taps us on the shoulder with another ice cream. I didn't ask for another ice cream. As a matter of fact, I asked, could I clean it up? So it's like point and point. They get points. So whether you 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 want to do these things or not, it's up to you, right? So like you are talking about how Gusto, you know, uh, puts the user first. Listen, I think the the people part of companies are just as important as the customer. And so what the advice that you're giving us here is so solid, Shaheen. And 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 it you know. So so tell us about contractors because what in your experience is the hardest thing with dealing with contractors virtually other than yeah. the payments you guys got the payment part right right but yeah. what else yeah so before that let me let me add something here as well so vance you really trying to make the customer happy if it's your genuine intention and in okay. gasto it's seriously that like it's unbelievable like we like there's so many people who had small businesses working in Gusto, there's everyone like we have that small business mind, right? Mm -hmm. So when you really put that genuine interest in your heart, and I did it all of my life as well, mm -hmm. uh, what happens? This is what happens. You tell to another person about your company and we see it in Gusto. I can't give you the exact numbers, but Gusto has a 
for from all the other SaaS companies, Gusto referral word mm-hmm. of mouth is huge of our as a customer acquisition channel way more than the many SaaS companies in the market because exactly what you said if you make the customer happy with pure intention of course things are not perfect there's a lot of things will happen but uh, the companies okay disney is a i don't know 50 year old company they probably perfected each loop but when they started they probably have 10 now they probably have thousand <laughs> step-by-step interaction but yeah. this happens like you go and tell another person and gasto they really excel that and they do it. And this is something that I really, really, really loved about Gus all of my life. And I see the how the culture and the culture was interesting as well. Mm-hmm. In Gusto, when I asked my manager, my first manager in life, like, how do you guys do that? He said, we really hire nice people. When you hire the nice people, like it, it solves uh, a lot of things actually, right? Because then he really uh, think about the customer and like, that is all. Like I. When I meet with a company, when I also get something from a company, I, I consume like crazy. It's really sad when you get a bad customer service. Right. Because they are losing like for like, like replacing a product. Like Amazon does it, right? They don't even ask the questions and they right. replace. They are the biggest company in the planet Earth right now. Right? One of the biggest companies, right? It's really that. Like customers always right. This is the Turkish culture thing. Customers always right. Yeah. And work for their happiness. And like uh so there's a can you repeat your contractor question again <laughs> yeah no so i mean for gusto it, it, it you know obviously managing remote workers is very hard and being flexible and finding the right people paying them and managing on the dashboard all those things are hard what do you find on gusto from the the, the clients that you guys have what do you find it to be like the most valuable thing that that a small business a tool that they can use on gusto that differentiates you guys from the competition yeah so one thing that is extremely important is like the world changed right in the last three years yes that change was going to an office Mm -hmm. to like we can work remotely like there's so many companies where I build to the work. I'm sure you had the similar experience working remotely. So we are seeing that trend mm-hmm. and that trend is there and it's going to stay there. And we are seeing that trend in an interesting way as well. So what happens is as a culture, people also moved mm-hmm. because where you worked is where you lived because you have to live 50 miles radius right to go to the office but that doesn't exist anymore so we see like thousands of people moving in the different locations right so Mm -hmm. i believe uh, this remote work will make people happier Mm -hmm. so people are looking for more purpose in their companies people are looking okay i don't need to be an employee as well so we see a huge growth in contractors. So example, in we have this amazing study by our economics team called uh, Gasto Economics. And five years ago, there was one contractor for every 10 employees. And mm-hmm. now the ratio is one contractor for five employees. Wow. So you see now 20% yeah. is becoming contractors. Right. And the demand is coming from both sides. Mm-hmm. Demand is coming from businesses and contractor wants the mostly loves the flexibility. So when mm-hmm. we ask 
like why you become a contractor. What is the top reasons? It's flexibility. There's also flexibility right. and agility for the company. So first of all, when you look at the companies that who started remote business is mostly tech and service companies, right? Correct. Because like if you use Gusto, you will see, oh my God, I can actually pay someone internationally. Like, first of all, we are opening that door. Like, because mm-hmm. we have hundreds of thousands of customers. Yes. Like, oh, okay. I Like, okay, I want to hire someone in another state. What should I do? Okay, you need to do state registration. And we have an amazing state registration experience as well that help com- founders, leaders that quickly you can do state registration, right? So if you don't have that, I had a company that I know very, very well and advising and a customer, they didn't hire the person because they didn't want to do a state registration. They oh, talk wow. with a lawyer, they charge X amount of money. They mm-hmm. talk with an accounting, accounting didn't want to like that. We help them. So it's like that. So in the international contractor, we have a lot of tool set, like documents, international contracts, easy to pay. Like we make the international contractor hiring as the similar experience that you're going to get it in the US running a US payroll, right? So even that makes the possibility of people that I can hire someone from other state. Now it's easier. It was difficult Mm -hmm. before. Now I can hire someone internationally. And we are also seeing that trend. And I think there is another thing happening in the world as well. The world is becoming self-taught. So we start to see a lot of talent in Brazil, in South America, in Middle East, in Eastern Europe, in Africa that are knowledgeable as like anyone in the tech Silicon Valley, but they work from Brazil. And now with one click, you can hire with FIFCO, I wish it was one click, but FIFCO, not too many, but like less than 10, you can hire them uh, very quickly. Like we first enable that Mm -hmm. and then manage your whole international team when it comes to the contracts, the payments, payments on time and other related things as well. I love all of that because when I'm talking to any business owner who wants to scale, it goes without saying that they need to grow their team. And then mostly what I hear is a lot of entrepreneurs who are like, well, I like my lifestyle. I want to grow financially. I just don't want to take on more responsibility. And by the way, I've had seasons in my life where I felt that way too. So I'm not knocking on anybody because I have definitely sometimes just coasted for a few years and enjoyed the fruits of the labor, right? Yeah. Um, but 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 hey, if you want to grow, you have to go out and build a team. And so I love you know the fact that you can do that that there, and you've distinguished for us the differences there versus using one of the other platforms. I'm not going to name all the platforms because we know which ones they are, and some take care of one thing but not the other. Before you know it, you're managing five different platforms to do just what can be done on Gusto. So I so appreciate having you on here today. Thank now so tell much. us about. If they want to learn more about Gusto Shaheen, where do they go? Yeah, we uh, gusto.com is a great resource. Mm-hmm. Like we have a lot of blog posts for entrepreneurs on hiring, on businesses. So gusto.com is absolutely a great resource for small businesses that um, who have a lot of questions about the payroll, HR benefits, and we're trying to do our best to answer all of these questions there. I love it. And, and, and tell us about you. Um, let's close out the podcast with like, 
your big it's I, I remember I did a program at Stanford as well with the Latino um yeah. the, the school of business. And one of the big things they had there was the BHAG, you know, the big hairy yeah. audacious goal. Tell us about what your big hairy audacious goal is for the year for your business, of course. Do you have a big goal that you can think of that you want to, you know, pursue this year? Yeah, there is uh, there's a lot of cool products. Like I can't tell you the product. <laughs> we can't a lot to share uh, product. Of growth, course, but, but you yeah. have them. But you have them. Is of, the point? Yeah, I think I think people should do. There is one thing I do. I really set crazy goals. Like I am not a yeah. A, like what is it? Over prom under deliver. So over promise under deliver. I'm, right, I'm right. that guy. I over promise, <laughs> but if I go and I say that okay, we're gonna create let's say million dollar revenue. Uh, I know we're gonna create million dollar revenue, but yeah. if, if I say million, then people work for that million. You know, right. because if you see the mountain, which is let's say thousand feet, you're just gonna go. That's the top. But I always say that like let's do two million or three million. But I know it for fact that I will get the full blame. I will be like. Not hitting my goals, but, but it is be, but it is better to dream big. Then you get one point five <laughs> or two, right? So uh, I have crazy ambitious you. goals in life, and also I'm with you. I'm with in you. Gasto I too. Uh, I love it. I love and it. We it's do work day and night to catch them. <laughs> well, it was so great having you on the podcast, yeah. and we are definitely going to share all your links and you, your so LinkedIn much. on on uh, show notes, and we look forward yes, to sir. seeing what you guys do in yeah. the future. Please, thank you so much.